0: Welcome to HubShot's episode 166. We talk about HubSpot versus MailChimp, plus social robots. You're listening to Asia-Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, features, and strategies for growing your marketing and sales results. My name's Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig?
1: Well, looking forward to hearing about social robots. I know. That- Parties, that's some nice little resource you've pulled out for later in the show.
0: That's right. It's from Emerging Technologies Report for 2019, but we will talk about that shortly. All right, Craig, on our inbound thought of the week.
1: I was um, listening to the This Old Marketing Podcast with Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose, which is back, just started back this week. Welcome back, guys, after 18 months hiatus, Joe, of course, from CMI, Content Marketing Institute. But one of the things that really piqued my interest in the show when they were talking about temporal subscriptions. Have you heard this term before? Temporal no, subscriptions. It's basically this behavior whereby people subscribe, they just kind of opt in or opt out at a whim. So a good example, Netflix. They'll go, oh yeah, I'm gonna to subscribe to Netflix because I want to watch Stranger Things, or I'm gonna to subscribe to HBO because I want to watch the last season of Game of Thrones, and then I'm out. So there's no loyalty, there's no kind of recurring subscription behavior. And that's becoming a bit more common. People have these subscriptions. I don't know about you, but we just have subscriptions. They go on. We never cancel them, right? However, it's becoming much more the norm where people are temporal. And so I thought this was really interesting behavior trend, probably starting in the States. We're probably not seeing it here for another couple of years in Australia. But I was thinking about that in all businesses, not only our own agency, which of course, we don't lock people into contracts. If they're a retainer, they can stop at any time, move up and down. So that's definitely something that we've been doing for a while. And I know a lot of other agencies do. However, when I think of our clients and even HubSpot, if you think they often try and lock people in for years at a time, annual renewals and things like that, a couple of years from now, it's just not going to be the way. Everything will be month to month or um, cancel any time, with no downside, by the way. Mm. I actually asked Netflix about this. I said, oh, um, you know, can I cancel? Will I lose all my lists and watch? And they go, no, no, just cancel. But when you resubscribe, all your data will still be there. You'll pick up where you left really? off. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a really good experience. And, well, I've got no intention to cancel Netflix anytime soon. But if I did, that's kind of one of the fears you have, right? They kind of lock you in with that kind of...
0: It's, it's all, like you're being cancelled and restarting, isn't
1: it? Yeah, but yeah. that kind of they they lock you in so that you don't want to lose that data. Yeah, even though you're not watching the content. Anyway, I think this is just the tide has turned, and this is what's going to happen for industries and or big B two B industries and things like that. It'll be there because it starts with personal behaviour, i.e., consumer behaviour, and that pushes through to B two B as well. So just because you're in B two B, don't think that uh, it won't you're affect mean. you in the future. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, onto our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is where we're talking about HubSpot enabling email sending to their marketing free accounts. And how does that go with MailChimp?
1: Right, so we're not actually going to talk about the news that um, they've released this in their free accounts because be- they're doing a great job of blasting that everywhere. Yes, you- <laughs> It is <laughs> everywhere. You cannot are. avoid the news, right? So if you're listening to this podcast, we're not, we're not assuming this is news to you. You're well aware of this. But what I thought was fascinating about it was just that they've really taken over the, the ground that MailChimp has had for the last decade yes. and has just decided to move out of. With their free plan, they've really locked that down, reduced features, all that kind of thing. And HubSpot, it seems, have just said, oh, great. Oh, well, we'll, we'll do we'll it. We'll walk in there. We'll take that over, thanks. And so, well, great job. That whole freemium model has worked really well for MailChimp and HubSpot just there from the free write-up through to the enterprise space. I think they're really well positioned for this. The thing that I thought interesting is if you look at the video and there's Carl Jepsen doing a talk about, you know, how good it is for sales. By the way, have you noticed they've pushed it on the CRM side? Yes. They're not pushing it on the marketing side. Correct. HubSpot marketing free. Why aren't they? That's interesting. They're pushing the sales angle. Anyway. It
0: says CRM plus email.
1: Yeah. And it works in marketing free. So it's not as though specific to CRM side. But anyway, maybe they don't want to be so blatant that they're going up against the if <laughs> I don't know. But um, interesting, when Kyle Jepsen's doing the video talking about it, he spends a minute and a half talking about you must have permission
0: That's exactly from people for right. your
1: email. Them and, that. and you know what? It's just because this is spammer's paradise. <laughs> the number of people that are just going to spin up these HubSpot free accounts, just import dodgy lists, spam them out. They'll get banned, of course. HubSpot yes, will And they've actually on. said that. I'm sort of and you know down what there. was really interesting? Yeah.
0: Uh, what Kyle was saying was that just because you may have exhibited at a, at a conference, for example, right, and you you sponsored it so you actually get access to the list and they've said, look, you might hear from our sponsors, you cannot even load that in and send emails from HubSpot. Now, obviously, you could load it in because you might want to contact them and have a keep that interaction, but you actually can't email them out of HubSpot.
1: Well, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because the implied consent is there. I mean, you've got to check. This is not legal advice, folks. You've got to check in your particular area. That's but right. certainly here in Australia, there's an implied consent component. And if you have opted in, yes, you have yep. at a conference, then theoretically you should be allowed to do that. Whether that's a good idea or not, I'm not suggesting it's a good idea. And we've discussed this on the show in the past as well. Because yes. frankly, if people are not expecting to hear from you, they're going to mark you as spam anyway. But does that mean it's you're not allowed to do it? I don't know. And I think HubSpot's, I think they're just being overly protective because they know it's going to get they know this is going to get Correct. abused, right?
0: Well, you know very well the more you make someone aware of something not to do, the likelihood they are probably to be very cautious with doing anything of that nature because they are aware of the consequences.
1: Well, I hope so because, you know, my fear, I was thinking, well, I hope our pro and enterprise accounts aren't on the same IP and addresses that because these free accounts are going to get marked as spam so badly by a lot of the (laughs) email tools out there. So I hope that doesn't impinge on our pro accounts.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so if you're using CRM or you've got marketing free, go and try out the email marketing part within the system. All right, on to HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. We're going to highlight a blog post that talks about six simple HubSpot reports, your dashboard needs, right? And there are lots of reports on there. There was one that I saw, and this is not specifically sales related, but I think would be good in terms of response. But this is actually a report that's average time to respond over time. And this is actually responding to tickets. So it's not directly sales related, but it's uh, service related and obviously Sales could be using tickets as well. so But the re- report displays the average time it takes users to send an email reply to a ticket once it's been created and compares it to the previous time period. I thought that was an interesting report, which I'd actually never seen. And there are like five others that you could add. So I wanted to highlight that. All right. Onto the HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig.
1: All right. Quite a quirky little one that I banged heads against today.
0: No, Yes.
1: So this is to do with templates. This is a a page template, web page template. And in the template, there's a contact us section. And in that contact us section, there's a form, right? So we're in the template, not in the page. There's a page based on the template, but in the template, there's a form. I wanted that form to be a smart form. Yes. Because I wanted to switch out the form based on criteria, based on a list, right? Anyway, I couldn't do it. There was no option to make it smart. And, you know, we've got a link to the knowledge base. You should be able to do it. I could make rich text fields smart. Correct. Anyway, I couldn't get this sorted. You tested in your portal because I thought it it was a bug. Anyway, what did we do? Straight on to HubSpot support on the chat. By the way, their chat. This is the same, I think, we mentioned this last show. Their chat support is really good. It is. Anyway, Steve from HubSpot supports on there. Took him about 15 minutes, I have to say. So, (laughs) It it wasn't a quick fix, which was good because I always worry I've done something stupid and missed something. (laughs) Anyways, but he comes back, anyway, it looks like it's a bug, but there's a workaround. And so the workaround he gave me is you actually add a second form on there in the template module. And that one, you have to have selected a form by default in there. Correct. You can make that smart and then you delete the first form. Yes. So very weird, very bizarre, but that's the workaround. So if there's one or two people who are running into this and they hear this on the show, they'll think this is (laughs) just amazing timing. Because, yeah, I'd say it's a bug and hopefully it'll get fixed. But, yeah, if you're wondering about smart forms in templates, there you go.
0: So, Craig, I just want to say, what is one reason we would use a smart form in a template?
1: So let's say you've got a contact us section. Yeah. Say it's in the footer of most pages. Yes. So you've made this probably a global section, global module. And so the form in there, you might want to switch it out if you know the person versus an anonymous uh, user. So if it's someone that you know and it's a form, might be welcome back. I just need this. Whereas if it's someone new, might ask for a whole bunch of details. You could do that with progressive form fields as well. Yes. The other thing you can do is show entirely different forms. And so here's an example. You might show a different form based on their... Lifecycle uh, stage. Mo- life cycle stage, but I was going to say mobile versus desktop. Correct. Might have a cut down form, something like that. Yep. It might have different layouts, those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. Or they come from a social channel, for example. That could be another instance yep. where you would have that.
1: That's a good one. Now, I've got a little um, a little hack that I'm – well, not a well, hack. Well, we're testing it. A little <laughs> use case. I'm getting a lot of spam from a certain country. Yes. And so what I'm doing with my smart forms is if – the traffic comes from a certain country, I actually switch out a form. You give that, them a new, better form, don't you? I bro? give them a form that doesn't have an email address. They can still submit it. But because of my settings in HubSpot, it doesn't create a contact. doesn't waste my time creating a contact. So basically, the people from this country see a, a <laughs> form, they think they're submitting it, does nothing. I don't get a notification. does They get a
0: thank you page. They get a, a thank and you page.
1: It doesn't doesn't clog up HubSpot with um, contacts that I have to go in and delete.
0: You just saved yourself a contact there, Craig.
1: Oh, yep.
0: Anyway, that's just one of the use cases. There's
1: one use case. Yeah, it's great.
0: All right, Craig. Now on to our marketing tip of the week and how to track visits you're getting from Google My Business. Now, we talk about Google My Business because it keeps getting better and better by the month. And this is to do with adding tracking URL, so you can actually tell the traffic. Basically, you can filter out your traffic from Google My Business. And you would do this across. If you're running campaigns in HubSpot, you'd use the URL.
1: You could use that, yeah. Yeah. But basically, it's creating the parameters, putting them on the URL that you then use in Google My Business. So, yeah, it's just all about tracking. I think it's really interesting. And also, you can do for different tracking parts in the Google My Business profile. So, if it's from an event versus if it's just a normal listing URL. Really useful.
0: All right, Craig, onto our insight of the week.
1: All right. Now tell me, what's all this social robots?
0: So this is a report I came across and this is from the World Economic Forum, right? So they've actually created this report and it's the top 10 emerging technologies of 2019. They call it an insight report to go with our insights of the week, Craig. The foreword is from the editor-in-chief and she's from the Group of Springer Nature. So it's a it's a research company. And then there's also the chief innovation officer of IBM. And so they sought to create this to see what technologies are poised to rattle the status quo in 2019. Look, I'll read you the, what the top 10 that they've come up with. Number one, bioplastics for a circular economy. Number two, social robots. That's I'm going to talk about that in a second. Number three, tiny lenses for miniature devices. Number four, disordered proteins as drug targets. Number five, smart fertilizers can reduce environmental contamination. Number six is collaborative telepresence, which I'm going to talk about as well. Next one is advanced food tracking and packaging. Again, tracking and using that data. Number eight, safe nuclear reactors. I'm not going to go there. Number nine, DNA storage. And number 10, utility scale, storage of renewable energy. So, I mean, a lot of this is where we're very much aware of, right?
1: Well, I w- well, no, I wouldn't say I was very much aware of this. And before you go on, I just wanted to say, when you first put this in the show notes, I was like, what on earth is this? has got to do with marketing, right? Here's what I found fascinating because it shows what a bubble I live in, right? Because I think, oh, emerging technologies, oh, that'll be something with Uber and Airbnb, Right. <laughs> Or what's happening in a marketing sack? Like that's, that's my, exactly right. That's my that's world. That's what we live in. And it? I saw things like what smart fertilizers, what what's going on here, <laughs> and tiny little lenses and all this. I was like, wow, this is actually really good. For, these are the things that are actually making impact on the world. Correct. Um, not some new Bitcoin or currency, but yeah, these are things that are actually having major impacts on the on the globe and well being of billions of people potentially.
0: That's right. So I wanted to highlight social robots, right? And they say it's your droid friends and assistants penetrating deeper into our lives. And so they're saying like most robots, social robots use artificial intelligence. Now we spoke about artificial intelligence in a few episodes previously to decide how to act on information received through cameras and other sensors. Now worldwide sales of consumer robots reached an estimated 5.6 billion in 2018 And the market is expected to grow to $19 by the end of 2025, with more than 65 million robots sold a year. There is a wave of robots, one of them named Buddy by Blue Frog Robotics, a big-eyed mobile device that plays games, in addition to acting as a personal assistant and providing home automation and security. So I wanted to highlight this, because we're kind of halfway there here. So they are already robots doing something. I'm sure a lot of our listeners probably have things like Amazon Alexa. They're using Siri every day. Or if they're not, their kids are using Siri every day. And we're well on the way here. So this is taking that to the next step and how they can assist us.
1: So where's the crossover from, say, assistants like Alexa versus robots? What's the difference? And in particular, when it said 65 million robots sold a year... Like, what is a robot? Like, what's a consumer robot? I imagine that's not Alexa and those things because no. there's so it's hundreds something that, of millions yeah, of Yeah, exactly.
0: So it's something that moves around, right? One of the things they were talking about is the robots that they're utilising in hotels, for example, right. that will actually deliver a room service. Oh, right. So it basically can take uh, a meal to a room. It can see someone open the door. It can interact with them. Right. Gives them the meal. It can take something back. So' won't be able to answer a question.
1: If right. And that's the social robot, Correct. Part, the social and the social robot, yes. as opposed to just a robot in a factory or an Amazon exactly. warehouse kind of thing. Yes,
0: And so that's why they're saying like this one called Buddy is a big-eyed mobile device that plays games. So here's one that people are interacting with and, you know, providing some automation and security. Yeah. So I think what I want to highlight from that is that you just look at the pro- proliferation of artificial intelligence in different kinds of devices, like these social robots, that people are going to interact with and they're going to think it's okay to do that. We might sit here now and laugh at it.
1: Oh, I wouldn't. I could totally see that.
0: Yeah, and, and you see as people get comfortable with talking, like I look at my kids and I go, they talk to Siri like it's a real person. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. And I said, you do realize that you're talking to a computer, but to them, their awareness is not the same. Right. So they actually think that Siri is somebody real. So they are, they talk to the – they interact with Siri like they would a real person.
1: Really? And are they actually getting anything meaningful out of Siri?
0: Or Most of the time they do. I mean, they're, oh, really? they're asking pretty simple questions. Oh, but okay. But they are getting – and so obviously if you ask something that Siri doesn't want to answer, it comes back with that. Oh, I, I find Siri
1: <laughs> an, an exercise in frustration. I can never get anything out of Siri, but that's just – But this view. is
0: an interesting thing. You, I just it makes me realise that – kids are getting so used to that interaction that really like when like we call look at these social robots come along it'll be very natural for them to talk to those devices like they talk to real people Mm. so that's one the second one is collaborative telepresence and this is soon participants in virtual gatherings will feel like they are physically together and so they actually say even the Collaborative telepresence is still emerging. All the pieces are in place to become transformative within three to five years. Now, just think about that. That's not that far away, okay? We've had 10 years of iPhone and you see, think about how much that has changed our lives. And as the parts come together, expect to see changes in daily life and work that are as dramatic as those sparked by the adoption of smartphones. Think about the takeaway here is be aware of these as channels that you can reach a potential audience or interact with them as they become more comfortable with AI-driven robots and interacting on different mediums.
1: So how would you reach your audience via a social robot? I
0: don't know. I'm still working at Accra. <laughs> uh,
1: it just gives you your dinner and then tells you a <laughs> promotion, a free promotion. Correct. It, look, it's going to happen, right? Uh, marketers run everything, as, as as they say. But you can imagine the robot turning. It's just got, you know, sponsored by.
0: It's, it's exactly it's, right.
1: It'll just its head there, yeah.
0: And that's the thing, I think, like you look at all of these things, you just realise it, it just takes someone to think about it, come up with the idea, and before you know it, everyone's copying it or has, has ruined it for somebody else. Well, that's
1: true. Um, but I'm just picking up on the end of that um, social robots where it said that, in addition, acting as a personal assistant, providing home automation and security. It just makes me want to go and watch Robocop again. <laughs> <laughs> they were good movies, weren't they?
0: So there we have it. All right. I thought Thanks something for that. that yeah. broad insight
1: for the yeah, week. Yeah, that was very good.
0: All right. We have a podcast of the week, Craig.
1: As we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, This Old Marketing is back with Joe Polizzi and uh, Robert Rose and just wonderful listening. Gee, I love that podcast.
0: So we encourage you to go and have a listen to that. Now we have a resource of the week if you would love beautiful images.
1: So you've come across Unsplash.
0: Yes, I have, but I realize you've been using it for a
1: long time. Yeah, I didn't. I thought everyone was using Unsplash.
0: So. No, I actually use Adobe Stock for a long time, and I still do. Yes. So I definitely think that Unsplash will definitely be on my top list to be using. And you know what I loved about it? I've, I've seen some great images from Unsplash, and it's from photographers globally doesn't look like stock photography no it That's doesn't what I love about
1: <laughs> although after a while of using it you realize some of those images you see them everywhere correct so especially the hipster ones there's this one i see everywhere it's with this hipster guy at a cafe and yeah. all the tech companies use it so <laughs> you gotta be careful so use it from unsplash but you gotta switch them out a couple of months later because yes. everyone's used them by then
0: yeah so there you go unsplash.com all right craig the quote of the week
1: nice one nice short one you've got here
0: the Secret of Getting Ahead is Getting Started by Mark Twain. Now, Craig, you've got a couple of bonus links of the week.
1: Yes, a few links in there, so we didn't get time to go through them in the show. But I also, not only a bonus link, but a bonus screenshot, screenshot of the week, which is, I think we should have this section called Interesting Form Layout Choices of the Week. So yes. This is actually a HubSpot from a HubSpot landing page, and it's a really unusual form layout. And I'm just not sure. We're a why. bit
0: baffled, aren't
1: we? We are baffled. So, folks, you can go and have a look at that. Let us know what you're thinking. We'll
0: share that on Instagram. Maybe somebody that was starting at HubSpot got that job.
1: You reckon that's the intern did that? <laughs> the
0: intern did that.
1: I don't think anything goes out from HubSpot that hasn't been thought through. So, I, I'm assuming there's thinking behind this.
0: Yes. Yeah, so if, if
1: Deliberate choices were made here. <laughs>
0: Even if they were unintentional.
1: Oh, deliberate but unintentional, what?
0: <laughs> anyway, listeners, we'd love you to leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're on
1: Spotify now and our YouTube channel has... Look, every episode on our YouTube channel get, gets ones of views. So... <laughs>
0: And, you know, like with everything, we're testing and trialing things out. We are looking at doing more videos. So we'd love to hear feedback.
1: Let us know. You know what I'm surprised about? I'm surprised. Well, people said, put it on YouTube, right? And I was like, none's going to listen on YouTube. Well, they do for some big podcasts. They don't for for us. But when we do stuff on Instagram, often it gets a lot more response. I'm like, no one's going to respond to that. And they do. So it just shows, test and measure, right? Correct. Some channels work better than
0: others. That's right. And some channels take a little bit of time to grow. So I think with everything, look at how you're amplifying your content and then focus on what's working. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.